there's nothing more difficult than I'm actually going to say yes to the thing that's 100% exciting, passionate, inspiring, and face everything that is going to tell me I can't do it. My name is Evan Meyer, and you're listening to the Undomesticate Podcast, a show where we explore how to deprogram domestication, restore the health of our body, mind, and spirit, and return to our sovereign roots. Welcome to episode four of the Undomesticate podcast with Brandon Bozar. I recently met Brandon while spending the summer in Austin, Texas and had no idea what he did, but I knew he was a guy I wanted to sit down and record a podcast with. Brandon is a deep thinker and really knows how to ask the right questions that facilitate massive personal change. And in this episode, Brandon shares about how he developed his unique method of transformation he calls integrated self-inquiry, how he saved a woman from committing suicide from across the world, why a more challenging life is typically the easier path to take, how the teachings of Bashar have contributed to his personal evolution, how we all create and are responsible for our own suffering, how one of his clients healed an autoimmune disease instantly through the power of self-inquiry, and so much more. And hey, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This makes a massive difference in making sure we curate the best guests and deliver the best show possible. Also, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram if you don't already. My handle is at IamEvanMeyer. It's where I'm most active these days, and it's also where you can connect with other listeners of the Undomesticate podcast, as well as get a peek behind the scenes of everything that we're creating here. You can also watch all of these episodes on YouTube at IamEvanMeyer as well. All right, without further ado, let's get into episode four of the Undomesticate podcast with Brandon Bozarth. All right, Brandon, good to have you here, man. Likewise, bro. Just had a couple good steaks, beautiful Austin summer day. Uh, how are things going for you right now? In the flow, yeah. last couple of days, actually since our Halo night. Yeah. Yeah. Been like something deeper opened up on that night and I've just been in a, a really good flow. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody listening or watching this, uh, we met a couple months ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a community here. Well, there's a big community here, but particularly this Wednesday night tradition of playing Halo 3. Yeah. I think, yeah, Xbox 360, which is hilarious, uh, nostalgic. We call it regression therapy. A regression regression. therapy, surprisingly bonding and (laughs) and healing in a lot of ways. Um, And and a ton of fun uh, just to, it, it really does remind me of those days when I was a kid, like bringing my system over to my buddy's house and hooking them up and yeah. it being such a big event for, you know, six or seven or eight of us playing. Uh, so that's kind of how we met. And then we've been just getting to know each other and uh, learning a little bit about what we do. Um, and that's what I'm curious about. I want to, I want to start there. Maybe just tell yeah. people a little bit about who you are, like where you're from. I know you mm-hmm. work with, what, what is it called? The inquiry? Integrated self-inquiry. Integrated self-inquiry. So how mm-hmm. did you go from wherever you were to, yeah. to this work? And yeah, just give people a bit of your background. So I'll give you the, the shorter or maybe the middle version because yeah, it's a sure. story. We but, got time. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Um, let's see, 2000, maybe 15, I was in network marketing and I was a, either number one or number two in a small company. I helped them kind of get off the ground. And I got to a place where my heart wasn't in it. It was like 99% of me. I was like, this is, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And then the 1%, 
completely outweighed the 99. I, I just couldn't ignore it, you know? And I was just at a point where I was like, I only want to do what I'm truly excited to do, 100%. And I had a residual income. I was making like, not too much, five, $6,000 a month, but I didn't have to do anything for it. And, mm-hmm. and I had to decide I need to walk away to leave the income because I did have responsibilities and just say yes to a moment by moment question of what, what do I want to do? Like, what's my highest excitement in this moment? And I'm going to do it. And at the time it just looked like going to the gym, writing, doing Facebook. This is when Facebook live like just was popping off. And I right. just, I just sharing my experience of like, Hey, I'm just free falling here. And, um, within uh, three months I put out, a, I started a newsletter and I put an email out and this woman in Australia received it moments before she was going to kill herself. And she was in a, a car on the beach and she had a handful of sleeping pills and she was going to take the sleeping pills, go into the water and sleep. And she's a renowned medium in Australia. And so her guides, she was always communicating with her guides and they said, you know, before you take those pills, just turn the radio on. And she turned the radio on and a song played and it said word for word, you should stay a little bit longer. Mm. And she put the pills down. And then in the next moment she got my email and my email was titled, I'm excited to die. And of course I was referring to ego death, you know, (laughs) And she responded to it. It was the first person to ever respond to my newsletter. I was thinking, oh, did I make a spelling error or something, you know? And she goes, I want you to coach me. And I didn't know what that was at the time. Mm. I just wasn't in this world. So me and my ignorance, which really was a gift at the time, like Buddha mind, I just came in like, well, I don't know what that means, but do you want to get on a call and I'll see if I can help? Mm-hmm. And we got on a call. Mind you, she's a you know, 62, 63-year-old woman on the other side of the world who I've never met. Mm-hmm. And we get on, and she shares from her heart, I share from my heart, and there was just a healing that happened. And she just had this release and such a deep cry, and it, it, made, it brought me to the same place. And all of her, like, when she would be in that place of, I want to kill myself, she couldn't access her gifts, right? So she's like, I... I all of my gifts, they're gone. So like, she was a medium before that already. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. And she's like, I really need, like, I can go there and give people resolve over, you know, over loved ones, and it, but I can't handle the physical stuff. I need help, you know? And so after that session, on that session, all of her gifts started coming back in. And then she started being like, oh, your guides are talking to me. Like, And she started training me on how to connect to my guides. And it became this really mutual thing. And she said, how much do you want me to how much do you, do you charge? And I just made something up. I, my bills are 800 a month, 800 a month, just pay my bills, you know? <laughs> so for six months, I'm in this like teach learning relationship with this woman. And, uh, it led me and mind you, I had a background of spirituality and personal development. Yeah, It sounds like you already had a proclivity towards these things and you're putting yourself up. Like, what would you be writing about in a newsletter at that mm-hmm. time? Just so in network marketing, it was like I was in a position of leadership. I would right. speak on stages, not not like tens of thousands of people, yeah. like 100 here, two, 300 there. Mm-hmm. And I'd be teaching personal development principles. So Got that's it. just like culture in the culture of network marketing, that's there. Mm-hmm. And before that, 19, I met my first mentor who sat me down at 24 Hour Fitness and was like, yo, you, you're you don't want to work here for a long time, do you? No. He's like, me neither. He's now the number one sports psychologist in the world. And he would just wow. feed me, like works with like Steph Curry and all the NBA players and all like all, many different teams. And he would just feed me all like and train me. And before that, my older brother is eight years older. He, I remember him giving me uh, Deepak Chopra tapes when I was a freshman. 
So I just had all these seeds planted. Mm -hmm. So I just, whatever I accumulated my experience, I just would share. And I was always that figure in sports. It's like, I always won like most inspirational or heart, the heart award, you know, like you have the most heart on the team. Yeah, yeah. Like, am I the MVP though? (laughs) (laughs) Do I suck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But, uh, so I just, I just naturally, that's just a role I feel very myself in. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the, in the newsletters, I just write about my experience of like, I'm walking away from a guaranteed income and I'm just saying yes to life. My car is being repossessed at the time. I'm like eating literally like canned beans. They called me beans. I I ate that many beans. (laughs) So I went vegan at the time too. Like I made a whole life change. Gassy as fuck. Literally. (laughs) I'd be like, like, yo, you want to come out with us? And I'd be like, I actually need to stay behind. Like I would, it'd be a lose lose for all of us. So, so, so you yeah. met this woman, you, you had this six month kind of container with her. That She's le- teaching you, you know, you're getting a taste of what coaching's like, making a bit of money from it. Yep. Yep. And then be, because I did that in my network marketing business, it was just under the guise of like, we're doing this to grow your business, but it was all personal growth. Yep. So I was like, you know, I actually just like that part. I just want to do that exclusively. Mm-hmm. So I started, I'm kind of having this like real life practice and it's going really well. She lost 40 pounds. She stopped dating for like 10 years after a relationship, started dating again. So she, her whole life started turning around and I'm starting to feel like this is me, like this is my gift. And I just had this knowing I needed to cultivate it. I needed guidance. And within weeks of like starting to kind of put it out there, what's next for me? Where, cause I need a, I need to move. I was on the East coast and I, everyone around me was doing, was partying and I was start, I just initially took space. It was like, I, I'm doing Where were you? in Philly. Okay, Philadelphia, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Westchester, and then Queens Village. But so, so I'm like in this place of like, I need guidance. Within weeks, a friend messages me. Read this article. For some reason, I thought of you. Top thirty entrepreneur, like philanthropist entrepreneurs under thirty, and I'm going through, and a name stands out: Javon Langford. He's a men's coach, and he's been coaching for I don't know at that even at that point maybe like ten years, really deep in the work were global workshops and I'm reading about him and just everything in my body's lighting up and I'm like I need to find him I find him on Facebook I send him a message I'd love to get on the phone with you and just connect we get on a call within 30 minutes we're both in tears of just like sharing our stories and there's so much resonance and I said I had $300 to my name I said I will fly to you live on your couch I'll work for you he was working with youth in like the ghetto of LA. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, these kids would tell us stories of seeing their dad get shot in their front yard. Yeah. One of this, a couple of the kids died that we mentored for years, not while we were there after. I mean, it was like, it's as it's dark and he was going and doing men's or boys empowerment programs called the mentor. Powerful. And I said, I'll do that. I'll recruit. Like I'm, that's what I do. I'm, I'm a, I'm a promoter. I'm a, like I can cast the vision. Together. Like yeah. I could bring people to this. And he said, okay. And I, I spent my last $300 and I slept on his couch and I was living the dream. I'm, I'm like, I felt absolutely successful, you know, at that, at that of time. Course. Cause it was like, it was my true. Yes. You know, yeah. you were just totally aligned with what you were doing. hundred percent. How old were you at that time? I was, uh, let me think here. 20, Hmm. It was in 2016. Okay. I'm 31. So 20, 25, 25, something like that. Yeah. Like 25. And, uh, I was just devoted. 
you know, and he saw that. And within maybe a f- our first year of working together, doing workshops, and like now I'm being introduced to men's groups, and I'm going through his retreats, and I'm like getting just like <laughs> blasted open. You know, like I thought I was had a capacity for vulnerability mm-hmm. until that. Then I was like, oh my god, I've been like hiding my whole life, and it yeah. was like this huge awakening experience. One thing after another, workshop, retreat, and. And then he invited me to travel with him through Europe. And he said, I'm going to do a series of workshops and I want you to be like my lead co-facilitator. And I was all in and I just got to be immersed. And I would, I would coach and work people, you know, kind of through what they were experiencing. And then he'd give me feedback. And like, we did that for, uh, hours, many, many hours. It's like a true mentor relationship. True mentor relationship. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. And, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm taking everything that resonates with me. And then I just had my own genuine inspiration to like where I felt not that where it was incomplete, but where just, it would be me, my yeah, essence. Your own transmission of, exactly. of what you'd learn. Cause I think yeah. in any mentorship phase, like you kind of have to duplicate and be a replica of your mentor mm-hmm. to just have a type of confidence or conviction with what chops, you're doing. You know? yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you start to find your own essence. So I got to that place and I was like, okay, I need to be off the teat now. Yeah. And I'm going to go start doing my own thing. And then yeah. that led to, I think we've done like 15 different retreats and workshops in different parts of the world since then, since 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you guys are still connected or? Not Javon and I, my own team oh, your or own myself. Team. Yeah. Once you stepped into your own work. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I have a really similar story. And I, I was saying this to Chris on one of the, uh, the last podcast about mentorship, you know, and like. I was, you know, John, I got into John's work, John Wineland around 2018 and just same kind of thing. Like didn't, had barely any money to my name, but I was just like, dude, I am all the way the fuck in. Mm-hmm. Like bought my way, like bought my way into the first retreat and like, instantly was like, this is what I need to be doing. And just kind of said yes to everything. And it was like, I was working for him, but I was also being mentored and I was also, you know, teaching and assisting and like just being a yes to whatever mm-hmm. and kind of taking the step and then like letting the it's kind of like indiana jones where the, mm-hmm. the step appears once you put the foot out forward where mm-hmm. it was like i don't know how i'm gonna afford this i don't know how i'm gonna afford this travel how i'm gonna make all this work but just just committing to yes and mm-hmm. and, and and committing to a craft and mm-hmm. a person and allowing whatever wants to come of that to come and <clears throat> just this last year kind of came off the teat myself right mm-hmm. be like okay i think I've, I've gotten everything that i need from this you mm-hmm. know and I'm, I'm pretty saturated mm-hmm. and now it's time to really i was already teaching a bit of my own but really step into my own my own offering and everything yeah. like that right and such a powerful education when someone's willing to take a risk on you and to, totally. and to do that just like immense gratitude for yeah. people that are and, and i hope to be that person to someone else mm. someday yeah. you know? and i just feel so much respect for you and the people that say yes to that path because in my opinion it's the most difficult path on the planet absolutely yeah there's nothing more difficult than i'm actually going to say yes to the thing that's 100 percent exciting passion inspiration and face everything that is going to tell me i can't do it certainly yeah, absolutely. Just so much resistance, right? And so many reasons to not continue, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of disillusionment along the way mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, disappointments. And yeah, and for me, like relationship breakdown and then mm-hmm. rebuilding and like having to work through all that and just, you know, what shows up when you say yes to exactly mm-hmm. what you want and yes to mm-hmm. your life is certainly not the easier path. It's definitely the most rewarding one. <clears throat> it's never easier. And, you know, it's like... <laughs> You use easier in two ways. Yeah. It's a lot harder to say no, at least in the sense of 
I have to sustain lying to myself. I have to deny my feelings. I have to live in a, a life that's a lie. And that's hard. <laughs> Definitely. That's really hard. It is. You know? So for me, it's like, yeah, initially saying yes, it feels hard because I have to face things that are unfamiliar. Yeah. And to my old self, that was re- that's really challenging. But even when that, uh, my ability to respond to those parts of myself through learning the deeper tools of inquiry and integration and whatnot, then it's like, I think this is the easier path on the level of if I'm willing to meet what's here and understand it, God, I could really live in a way where I am on the path of least resistance, where things are conspiring to support me. It's like I can, I could feel what genuine power is, which is the lightest touch. It's like I can actually feel that in my life yeah. versus this like effort and uh, and uh, that that is so, uh, I don't know, like prioritized as the model of success. Well, to your point, like living in the lie of yourself, like to mm-hmm. yourself of doing something you don't want to be doing, like having to find a lot of extraneous motivation in order just to do the things that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You really have to build your life around this lie and mm-hmm. like fill it with a bunch of abundance or stuff or right. vacations or people or alcohol or substances or whatever in order to like perpetuate that lie. That never gets easier. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing about that path. It only actually it gets, gets more difficult. Yeah. Where the one that has a lot more kind of letting go at the beginning, I feel once you find that groove and you kind of land and realize that you can trust life, yep. then it gets significantly more rewarding where even when there is challenge, you know it's worth it. Where the other 100%. one is like the challenge is just not worth it and you're going to be challenged anyway. Yeah. Right? And that's where a lot of people get conflicted because they're like, wow, but I have to give up everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's going to suck, but you already are giving up everything. Yeah. You're giving up your soul. Yeah. You're giving up your sovereignty. You know, you're giving up your, your life essentially, right? Yeah. Because I, I, we forget how precious it is until you start living on, on a more purpose or aligned path. You kind of lose sight of like what, your values are and what you care about yeah. right and try to fill that i would say it's like i i you're you fail you always fail at being someone you're not so you might as well go be who you are and <laughs> fail at that totally because you're yeah. never gonna be the best at being who you're not yeah that's a great way of putting it so after all that work and you started leading your own stuff tell me a bit more about specifically like you know fast forward to today what, mm-hmm. what is it that you offer people what is it you do and how does yeah. that look yeah so up until, I'd say, let's see, 2019, I was really influenced by Bashar's teachings. We were talking about this mm-hmm. a little bit. He, Daralanka channeled being called Bashar. I found his work when I was 21. And it was like, it was like a gold mine. It was like every question I had answered. And it was what inspired me to say yes to life. That and a mixture of all the things that I've like taken in over the years. And then my direct experience with Javon kind of like accumulated to just my ability to recognize unconscious beliefs, Mm. be a safe space for someone to open, to see that within themselves and let them go. And it was just as simple as like, we're going to, we're going to rewire, we're going to do some brain surgery, you know, like we're going to get to the root cause of what's creating your life and change it. And that was, it it was more intuitive than structured. And I found Byron Katie's work Mm -hmm. in maybe 2019 and in my opinion, she's just one of the saints on the planet. She's so, there's such a love and compassion in her eyes. What is it about her work that you really resonate with? I'm like familiar with her just because yeah. she's a big name and yeah. I've, I've 
I think I've read like Dairy and Greatly or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's got a lot of stuff. Though. Oh yeah. She's got a huge catalog. What yeah. is it about her work that you find just so resonant? I think she nails it in the sense like she combines the worlds of non-duality, like a lot of the Eastern world mm-hmm. with the practical, let's get to the root of what's causing your trauma and suffering in a way that it's almost like she combines the absolute truth and the relative in a way that's so profound and people, it, and it's so simple. It's incredibly simple. The questions that she developed, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? Who are you with the thought? Which just shows cause and effect. When I believe this, this is what I do. These are my habits, my patterns. Who am I without the thought? Shows a completely new version of you, right? right? And then there's the turnarounds, which is essentially taking the beliefs and looking at their opposites. And it's it's like if you look at this as a mechanical process, you're not going to get it. Yeah. because. The, it, it's a revelation that was instantaneous that then in time and space can be put into a framework. But it was it was a revelation of every thought that I believe to be true is not true and does it has nothing to do with who I am. And so with her, it was this complete understanding of all of my suffering comes from what I believe to be true. Yeah. And everything that I believed when really looked at I can't absolutely know that it's true. And that's a that's an absolute statement. And it could be a lot for people to well, what do you accept. do with that if like if there's no absolute truth, right? Yeah, well, here's the thing. It's like it's true on a relative level if you believe it's true. Yeah. So so you can hold both. But it's like if we look at just the cause of suffering. Suffering is a state, right? Mental mental and emotional stress. If you zoom in on any moment, there has to be a belief or definition about something first in order for an emotion to arise. It's like the emotion is the effect of the belief. And the belief, if it's unconscious, is firing like a reflex. So it doesn't feel like it's a choice. It doesn't feel like you're, and you're not actually doing it. Well, you're not really at choice because it's just, you're unconscious. It's just just conditioning, just patterning, right? Right. So when you have that lightning fast response, when you revisit, those moments and you get really still and you connect with the sensation the sensations like a window that you can open to find the belief that is at its cause Hmm. so that's really what i'll do is like and why i call it integrated self-inquiry is because i really focus on the sensation as the doorway right and um because a lot of people will use this work to get out of sensation mm-hmm. and then they have to, by definition, stay in their mind because they're, in they're answering these, que- like these questions, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like very pragmatic. Exactly. And, like kind of, yeah. and if they're using it to escape sensation, by definition, they're in resistance to sensation. So sensation can't transform or transmute. It just can't. Yeah. What I resist persists. What I look at disappears. So it's like, I got to do the work to get rid of it. No, no, no. We actually have to go right through sensation and then in a moment of acceptance, the questions draw upon your wisdom, not mine. So where I used to be a coach, it's like yeah. I could give reflection and, and solution and answer and yeah. they could receive it and open. Yeah. Inquiry purely draws on their own wisdom yeah. that when they're in the right state and they go through this inquiry process, they, they experience essentially this definition of forgiveness. And here it is word for what inquiry is. Realizing what I thought happened didn't. So it's like, for for example, I'll use I'll use one of my examples, like about my experience. I was betrayed by a former partner. Let's yeah. say that that's the belief, and that was formed in a moment of neurophysiological dissociation, shock, and right in that moment, I'm betrayed. Boom, crystallized. 
right? Now there's a holding pattern in my body and mind. And I'm just going to repeat that with any stimulus in the room. Like, let's say that happened in my kitchen. The kitchen could bring me back. What I was eating could bring me back. Mm. She could bring me back. Anything <laughs> can bring me back. So Never ate peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> again. Well, that's, that's to a lot of schools, I thought, the root of allergies is a very distressing, shocking moment that it got associated with food. Oh. And I've had first-hand experience with uh, clients. This woman had IBS. She comes in to a retreat. She goes, here's a list of 70 things I tested, or my doctors tested me for allergies. I'm allergic to all these. I can't barely eat any food. I'm having diarrhea for the last three months. She couldn't have any solid stool. And she's like, and I can't absorb any nutrients. I've had to go on IVs. We sit with her. This is how the inquiry looked. It was like, what can't you digest? Like, what have you not been able to digest in your past? I was raped by my stepdad for years. Okay, so what about that? How, can you not digest? Part of me liked it. Right? And it was like the shame. Yeah. With her body doing its job, her nerves having one choice, feel sensation. Mm-hmm. But she, she personalized that. No, I shouldn't have liked that. So there's two places we went. Number one, we wanted to see, this is, goes back to our definition, what I thought happened didn't. Number one, we had to check, you were raped. Is it true? Is it actually true? What happened? And the first part was her starting to realize, did he force you? No. Did he, did he hold you down? No. Did he threaten you? No. He would just come in and, and part of me was actually okay with it. So the first story was like, really questioning if she was raped because that's a totally like to our brain it's like that becomes our identity yeah right and and maybe she was but in this scenario it's not what happened and then it was like why and this is this is why this is in my opinion the most confronting work why did you agree on some level not Mm -hmm. conscious yeah totally unconscious meaning you didn't even really agree your conditioning said which is which is the definition of innocence right like you didn't do that. Yeah. You came in with that. You couldn't have done anything else. It's innocent. Yeah. It's nothing to be ashamed of, right? Anyone with that condition would have done the same, same exact thing. thing. Yeah. You had to do it because you did. Yeah. So it was like, because it was the only time I felt loved. Wow. And besides that, no contact, no attention, no any. So part of me was like, if I say no to this, then I might lose him forever and I might get kicked out of my family they might all yeah. think I'm a liar all and that's death lost. and abandonment all yeah. love lost yeah. so it was like that's actually really intelligent yeah. according to that belief and so so that starts untangling I was raped no on some level this made sense to agree to not consciously and once she could acknowledge that without shame in front of the whole room, her intestines are going, like gargling. So like this crazy. was in a live event this, kind of this, situation. Yeah. This is at a retreat. Wow. 15, 20 people. Wow. So she just starts to see, and it's like, oh, you enjoyed that? Is that true? I mean, this is why inqu- inquiry can go infinitely deep. Yeah. You can go, all the way down, it depends bro. on how deep you want to go. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's empty. It's just a framework. Yeah. There's no limit to inquiry. Yeah. There's a limit to to our thinking mind, but not to inquiry. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, that you decided that that felt good. You made it feel good. You're responsible for it feeling good. Is it true? And, and it was like, yeah, I touched Does that feel good? Yeah. Did you, did you do that feeling? Like, are you responsible? It's like, no. And it's like, she's just started to see what happened. Didn't 
she didn't make her body feel pleasure. Right. And she wasn't forced against her will and therefore she wasn't powerless. Yeah. So instead of trying to solve or like problem solve, oh, the problem is you're powerless. Let's help you become powerful. No, no, no. That's old paradigm coaching in my opinion. Right. Wait, let's actually, instead of problem solution, yeah. let's do problem dissolution. Is there actually a problem? Is that actually true? Yeah. That you're a powerless, shameful person because of this event. And once she realized, wow, none of that was true. I couldn't have helped it. That was my body being a body. Yep. And that made sense. And why was it innocent? Because it was all for love. Yeah, It's, it's my confused childlike conditioning that I was spoon fed that said that is a better choice than walking away. Right. And I can't fully take responsibility as a child for thinking that way. It's just what happened. So all of a sudden it becomes there no duality exists in that equation anymore. It's just and so as soon as that opened all of her guts and you could hear everyone in the room could hear it. And she, I got to go to the bathroom. Has her first solid poop in 3 months. Comes out and goes, "You know what? I'm feeling so good. I think I'm going to try eating all of these foods that I'm allergic to. She ate all the foods was fine for the rest of the trip. She hasn't had it since. So it's just, it's a perfect example of like, we get to the core problem and instead of reinforcing their identity, you have a problem, you, you're a depressed person, you're a victim to mm-hmm. this or that. And now this is your rehabilitation thing. Fix it we of actually thing. question yeah. if that's who and what they are and if it's true. Yeah. Or if it was just a perception at the time that has been held and reinforced ever since. Right. So deep. Reminds me a lot of the training I've done with like in ontology, mm. like the way of being and as an ontological coach, which is just such a deeper cut towards identifying problems and solutions, but really asking a lot of questions just that are like, what? Like, you know, well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. You know, and well, how do you know that is true? Mm-hmm. How do you know that to be true in your life? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's more about Socratic. how we... How we relate to our life right Mm. and then and then what we empower in our lives is really the only distinction between a life that we enjoy and a life that we don't and Mm. we could be doing the exact same things but how we relate to it yes what state we relate to it from is the is the difference it makes so so many people come into me and they want to switch jobs or they want a their new relationship or whatever they want something drastic to change Mm -hmm. but it always comes down to the core of the beliefs that they're empowering and how they're relating to who, what, where, whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then once we start to work on that level, they actually get clear on what they actually want Mm -hmm. instead of running the program anymore, because we're usually just running towards or running away from something. Right. Right. We're never actually in a, in a place of like grounded clarity where we're really at choice because the reason we're running away or towards something is genuine or generally uh, influenced by some sort of traumatic event that happened mm-hmm. to our life or, mm-hmm. or some sort of program that we got, you know, yeah. it's a, what's right, what's wrong. We live in these contexts all the time, right? Which you kind of nailed there. It's like running from the light or running to the light or running away from the darkness is the same fucking thing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's if we actually take some space and create some spaciousness in our life to really make those inquiries about like, what are we empowering and what do we really want in our life? And then mm-hmm. from there, we actually can choose a life that is, that we're at choice mm-hmm. instead of at the effect of life. And Absolutely. Choosing from there. Yeah. So really, really kind of similar work, but that's, that's a really powerful story, man. Mm, thanks, man. And I'm sure that there's been a handful of those that have. Yeah. Happened. We had a woman, um, in a weekend clear a breast tumor and we didn't know till after she didn't want to tell us for some reason, but after she went to get a scan, she goes, guys, I didn't tell you, but the week before I got a scan, I had this breast tumor. 
here are the here's the doctor's report. We had a couple of inquiry sessions, and then you know she ate really good that week for maybe three days, actually maybe three or four days. Had some body work and whatnot. Went back, got a scan, nothing. And it's like I don't know what actually created that transformation, mm-hmm. but I didn't see it disappear with my own eyes. But mm-hmm. it's just like what I'm getting to more and more. What's kind of like leading edge for me is is they say you know the body is an extension of the mind, right? This, this is our subconscious mind. And it's like the fir- one of the first laws of hermetics, all is mind, you know? So it's like, how much is transformation influenced strictly by what we most dominantly believe to be true versus the materialistic model of like, how do I transform? I need to add or remove things from me or from life. You know, I need to change the content and do something versus changing perception and how, and how that could radically Cancer, you know, gone. It's wild. Yeah. Hey, you hear about these things, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much emerging thoughts and science about how... I, ha- I have a buddy, and he he had, like, a, a number of comorbidities, like liver diseases, IBS, mm. and all these associated things, and ended up having to actually get a liver transplant recently. Wow. Uh, but has really severe abandonment and like issues with his father. His father like wasn't around and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And he never knew him. And like, mm-hmm. he just carries, he's been carrying that grief, I think his whole entire yeah. life. And for me, I just see the parallels. Like, you know what I mean? Like I honor the, the actual physical disease and everything like that. But like what the genesis of this mm-hmm. is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just, I see the parallels so clearly in people when they have these physical ailments and mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's such a obvious psychosomatic connection mm-hmm. and it's, and it's really, it's really hard to, I don't even want to say challenge. Cause I generally, I used to, I think in the past really challenge people on those kind of beliefs or mm-hmm. be like, Oh, it's so off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, that just doesn't really do anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit abrasive, but the rigidity in which people hold on to their stories about yeah. the way, like whatever that lets them be or whatever, because they get something out of it. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm always identifying with people. Mm-hmm. And I often mm-hmm. ask them like, what do you get out of this? Mm. Right. Cause they get something and mm-hmm. I mean it genuinely. Totally. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not being an asshole. I'm like, like list the yeah. things. What do you get out of being this way? Yeah. Like, what do you get out of relating to yourself as a, a victim of this trauma or that yeah. trauma? And they have to do some really deep like inquiry about, okay, well, I guess I get to, you know, I get more attention because people feel sorry for me, or mm-hmm. I get this, or I get mm-hmm. that, and get that the other, and you know what I mean. And That's so valuable. So I talk about this a lot. Almost every course, I do something literally on that. They mm-hmm. they wrote a book. This woman, I forget her name. It was called Existential Kink. Oh yeah, right? I've heard about it, but I haven't read it. It's yeah. essentially an entire book devoted to that concept. It's like whatever I'm experiencing that I say I don't want, I actually do for some reason. And that's why I'm carrying it around. Yeah. And this is with inquiry. This is like the one caveat to, because so many times people that haven't brought awareness to the actual belief and, and you can't change a belief you're not aware of. Right. So it's still unconscious mm-hmm. has to be brought to the conscious mind. Conscious mind is, you know, 5%. We're, we're, you know, 95% of us is just running conditioning. So, people will have some trouble with any form of inquiry, self-reflection, you know, where they find something they see for themselves. And this is in, in my experience, the mechanism of transformation is when a person has the moment where they clearly see what they thought was true is not true. 
And and what that means is there's a break in continuity. Does it happen in a moment? It you, happens in a moment. You notice it? In a yeah. moment. It, and it happens when the logic, like, the, wait, this doesn't make sense. And the reason why is like, if I told you, you know, dude, you're actually, you're actually a woman. <laughs> Nowadays, we might get canceled for that. <laughs> you're actually a woman. Could you believe it with absolute conviction? No. No, you can't. Yeah. It's impossible. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Or if I made it more ridiculous, you're an ele- you're actually an elephant. You're not a human being. Yeah. You can't walk around with absolute knowing that that's what you are. Why? It doesn't make sense. We can't hold on to things that we see for ourselves don't make any sense. Like irrefutable evidence that it doesn't exist, kind of. Unless this is the caveat. Somehow holding on to something doesn't that doesn't make sense protects us from something that is still making sense that we need this to protect us from for some reason. So for example, if I found a belief that says, you know, my, my, I was abandoned and that means I'm not good enough. And I go, okay, is it true? Like, what's your proof? And I start to do that inquiry and anything that my ego offers up, I start to see through and it's just dissolving, dissolving. And this is what our sessions look like, right? It's like, I don't tell them to let it go. No one can let it go. Yeah. That's so irritating. Just let it go, bro. <laughs> You're holding on to it. So just find the reasons that make sense to hold on. Yeah. And then it will let go of you, right? So it's like we find all those reasons. Now, if there's nothing and the behavior doesn't change, it's because they're getting something out of it that they believe is protecting them from what would happen if they really did let it go. All right. I want to take a pause from this episode today and talk a little bit about Ascent. Ascent is the four-day retreat that I'm putting on with three of my best friends, all three men who I've interviewed in this podcast. That's Alan McGrath, Nick Warner, and Chris Marhefka. Go ahead and listen to those episodes, episodes one, two, and three, if you're interested in knowing more about them. But we wanted to create something that was a profound, powerful weekend curated specifically for men who want to lead their lives, who want to lead relationship, who want to lead in their purpose, who want to lead themselves, who want to attain a level of self-mastery that's basically unheard of. If you want to be a 1% man, you have to be doing things that no other man is willing to do. So come out with us October 6th to 9th. Tickets are almost sold out for this event. There's only a few days left to buy them. September 30th, Tickets close, go to ascentretreat.com. This is going to be a powerful weekend camping out in the desert with a handful of other men developing their leadership. We're going to do deep embodiment work. We're going to get nice baths, breath work, sunrise hikes, meditations, brotherhood, organic meals, just being men, being challenged, being loved, being healed, being really called forward to being the best man that you can be. If that's something that you're interested in, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, then join us, ascentretreat.com. There's only a few days left to get tickets, but if you use the code BROTHERHOOD at checkout, you'll instantly save $500 off the ticket price. Again, ascentretreat.com. If you're really committed to living a big life, you have to get around other men that will pull you up, that will call you for it. It's what I did five years ago. It's the only reason this podcast exists. It's the only reason my business exists. It's the only reason that I have the friends and the community and the brotherhood that I have all because I chose to go on one retreat five years ago. And that really was a life changing weekend for me. After that, everything changed in my life. And I 
doubled down on my commitment to myself, to mastering myself, to being the best man I can be physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And everything came from that. Everything in my life that's abundant, that's beautiful. Go ahead and join us, ascentretreat.com. Do it now. All right, I've made my point. Now let's get back to the episode with Brandon Bozarth. Because they're getting something out of it that they believe is protecting them from what would happen if they really did let it go. Like you were saying, so it's like- Whatever's on the other side of that feels more risky than holding on to exactly. the particular pattern and that's, behavior. That's the mechanism that determines motivation. So it's like, no, I'm motivated to hold on to this because I get attention, I get love. And if I really let this go, maybe all of my friends would leave me. I'd have a totally different friend circle. I'd quit my job. And then I'd really have to face fears that are even deeper. So actually, no, I need you. I'm not good enough to keep mm-hmm. me safe. So once that is seen... To not keep you safe. Like once that's only seen to produce the feeling of a lack of safety and you're actually questioning any benefit, you're actually seeing that it's perpetuating fear. You have to make that switch of like, oh, there actually is no benefit for me holding on to this. Mm-hmm. Every perceived benefit was just an illusion from my ego. When I really look at it, oh yeah, it's only causing me stress. When they associate that association changes, it's like there's no reason that it makes sense to hold on to it anymore. Yeah, yeah you, you really have to find... You have to create a case for it almost, like build the evidence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing that you mentioned there that a lot of people have a hard time digesting is like we have a really good reason for everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the most destructive <laughs> or the most self-sabotaging or whatever the case may be that seems like, why do I fucking do this? This is yeah. terrible, yeah. right? Why do I have this addiction? Why? But like, no, we have a really fucking good reason yeah, for all of need. it it meets some sort of need and we have these extremely, you know, complex um, reasonings. Like we come to these really complex solutions in order to not feel things, in order to not be with things, in order to, uh, you know, uh, perpetuate whatever gift or whatever, like you're saying, benefit that we get out of it. But just that fact alone that like, if someone were to get into inquiry and be like, well, there must be a really good reason I'm doing this, Mm -hmm. which is not a place that people usually start. That's what the the negative belief wants you to not go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like what? what Because it'll use things like avoid, project, deny, like all of that whole cloud of confusion of like how we cope will keep you from going, wait a second. Why do I want this? What am I actually getting out of this? It's so counterintuitive. Yeah, it is. It's really backwards. And then I, I think with that kind of line of questioning, just the question alone helps dissipate some of the shame, mm-hmm. some of the you know self judgment, mm-hmm. all the kind of re- like oh, I'm a fucking bad person for being this way or doing this, or I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can never keep my word to myself. All these kind of things that mm-hmm. we do when we start to recognize that maybe there's a really good biological and psychological reason that we're doing this, then we can have a little bit of compassion for ourselves, and it's more of a curiosity mm-hmm. than than like a self. That's key. You know, yeah. Curiosity is key. So many people will approach this work from desperation. Mm -hmm. I really need to change how I'm feeling. And you go in with expectation. And that's a form of resistance. And you expect to find a solution to resistance while you're in resistance. It's impossible. That's why just the simple practice of immediacy, which is like, let me get in touch with what's immediately happening in my body. Put all the subtitles and stories aside and bring it as close to me as I can. Kind of like if I'm bringing my finger, this emotion, so close to me, ultimately I can't see it anymore. 
once and, it's touching your forehead. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happens to the sensation. I bring it so close. I, I put the story aside that's perpetuating it. Mm-hmm. And I just face it. And I really ask myself the question, am I in danger right now? But the most important question, can this be here for the rest of my life? That That's the question that tells you if you're in full acceptance or not. When you could genuinely say, can this be here as if like, can I be with this? Can I be with this for the rest of my life life? and be okay? Yeah. And it's like, if I could say that around a sensation, I'm in full acceptance. I'm not, I'm in full validation of it almost instantly when, when I get there and I know with my clients as well, it starts to move and change and transform and lighten or open or something of that nature. Yeah. It's so like you said before it's so some a lot of this stuff is so counterintuitive because it's it's our resistance to being with the thing that makes it so awful to be with that the suffering. thing itself is not that bad no, no. it's like all the 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 world we build around to not be with the thing is so fucking painful yeah. but when we let ourselves be with the thing whatever the emotion is or the sensation or even the person, like mm-hmm. people, right? Other people. There's some people we have such resistance to being around. I've had that experience in my past. And until I just like remove the resistance, I can just see the person for who they are because yep. all I'm seeing is my resistance, yep. right? And then I can act, I'm free, yep. right? Because I want, I, I, they're totally free in that situation, mm-hmm. right? I'm the one that's suffering. And it's this, I think it's the same with all these sensations. It's like my, my deep desire to be free from an uneducated place is, by pushing all the way, I can stay free when the when the absolute is like, can I actually let everything kind of wash over me or yeah. can I let everything in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. feel it fully and and decide, you know, can I really be with all of this? And if I can't, I think there's more questions to ask, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then it just works in a circle. Right. I can't be with this. Is it true? Like <laughs> It's hard fucking work, man. I know. <laughs> you know I know. What I mean? like, yeah, it is. I'm like getting the download from you right now. just mm-hmm. all about this, just the way you've articulated a lot of this. I'm thinking about things, you know, relationship. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. That's an important question to ask. Like, can I be with this person? Mm-hmm. You know, if they were to never change and, mm-hmm. and be the same, could it's I huge. be with them for yeah. the rest of Because what you're really saying life? is, can I be with the version of me that I am right now with them? In relation to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the turnarounds and the work is like, can I be with them for the rest of my life? Can I be with me like this for the rest of my life? If the answer is yes, it doesn't have to be my highest excitement. I, but I, but then I could genuinely determine if this is in most resonance or not because I'm in acceptance. And it's like no situation is confusing, confusing in of itself. It's not There's not built-in confusion in an s- environment. Like it's in that tree over there. That's where it's all coming from. <laughs> all the chop confusion. the fucking tree down yeah. and we'll be all clear, you know? <laughs> But and that sounds crazy. Yeah. I need to change this person. I need to change the government. It's the same thing. Yeah. So it's like there's only confused minds. I'm clear, I see it clear. I have one job to get clear in my business, not their business, not the world's business, and then I know what my clear response is, and that's it. And it's that simple. It sounds simple, it could be challenging, especially when we're not taught this growing up, yeah. but it's simple. Yeah. Wow. That approach Absolutely. And that's why I call it living inquiry because it, it, it is, in my opinion, it's a spiritual path. It's, it's a like, practice. It's really. a practice. It's yeah. an everyday practice. It's yeah. like you work inquiry and it, then it starts to work you. It starts to happen automatically where it's like, I could be just sitting here and be like, God, Evan, he's just so annoying. And then instantly where I go is like, I'm so annoying. It will instantly turn around or it'll be met with, is that true? Yeah, Evan, he's just so annoying. Is it true? He's annoying. Hmm. 
Like for me to believe Evan shouldn't be doing what he's doing, I'm fighting reality. So who's annoying? Me. Because every time I fight reality, I get annoyed. So that's, that could start happening at like lightning speed. And what it looks like on the outside is this. I'm back. Right. That's the spiritual practice. It's not, I need to meditate all the time. Like that to me is a practice in meditation, but it's a yeah. living, it's a living meditation yeah. almost, you know, what, uh, what are you exploring right now? Like what's coming up for you in life around this kind of inquiry and what are you rubbing up against? In my own personal yeah, inquiry? Just if you're willing to share, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like being deep in that work, because I, I imagine you've patterned yourself to go to that place to mm-hmm. check yourself yet obviously you're still a human being and there's still oh, yeah. challenges and things that you have to work through so i'm curious like what, yeah what's been i mean i got to a place where i i still couldn't see what i couldn't see yeah. and that's the thing about this work is like if we were meant to do it alone there'd only be one person on the planet mm-hmm. we're not because we're not alone so i get to places where it's like man i've been doing inquiry because when i found inquiry i had the first two years mostly year one it was my morning routine every morning for at least an hour. I'd sit and I'd journal and I would inquire on anything that was causing me stress. I wouldn't stand up until I felt completely free of it. And I just I just knew that it was my path, you know. And I got to a place recently, I had a breakup in January that was, uh, I mean, decimating. It humbled me. I'm like, I'm this inquiry person you know obviously is it true i had to look at (laughs) seriously so much of my identity that was i was still holding on to it was an invitation to completely take take all of that to inquiry and like completely let it go and um oh there's a point that i wanted to make around that anyway at the time um oh i was so in the story of feeling betrayed, of feeling neglected. I'm being neglected. Stories are I'm being neglected. I'm betrayed. I'm nothing. Like I'm nothing. I want to kill myself. I've never felt suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts. Eight months ago, I wanted to kill myself. I knew I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. There were suicides in my family. My uncle killed himself. It's it's so interesting. I met my uncle once, and I have such a strong connection to him. I feel like spirit guide and something there, but because of not even because of that, it's just been ingrained in me. It's like, it's, 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 it's not an option, but I was brought to an edge where it was like, I feel like I can't change myself. I can't change the situation. I'm deathly afraid of letting it go because I want to marry this person. Mm -hmm. Like part of me is like, this is the most unbelievable thing. And the other part is like, what the hell is happening? This is the most unbelievable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that paradox of like the super high high and super low low and where I was hiding from myself, hiding the feeling of I still feel dependent on validation, acknowledgement, love from women. I need that still. Mm-hmm. Or I'm no one or I'm nothing or like my work in the world is not meaningful. I mean, right. there was so much attached to it. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm sitting with it. Is it true? I filled out journals. I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. Yeah. There was something I wasn't seeing. I get on with Byron Katie herself. Wow. How did that come about? (laughs) (laughs) She does a free, well, like donation based webinar. Oh, cool. Two or three times a week. Yeah. But you have to, you have to get there really early, raise your hand first, and then you're not even guaranteed to be picked. But I was picked and I knew it. I'm like, 
It's kind of one of those. Today. Like, you're gonna pick. Byron's I, picking. Yeah, me. yeah. I'm just affirming, you know. <laughs> and she did, and she helped me see some things I just couldn't see, and yeah. I just completely broke down levels of vulnerability that just like admitting tr- just deeper truths to myself of like. Let me think in that session of like, she betrayed me. I betrayed her. Yeah. I found everywhere in the relationship where I betrayed her. Everywhere that I betrayed myself. Um, self-neglect. I mean, everything got turned around. And I've turned them around before, but she's slow. She goes, it was still so activating. My nervous system right. was, because yeah. I was still in the environment too yeah. with my partner. So it was like a constant, I was at that time out of the relationship in BK's presence. Her slow, loving grandmother, like I just slowed down and I really could see what happened versus what I thought happened. That was huge. That like I'm sweating and crying and sweating and crying for like an hour straight. Um and there was so much revelation and insight from that. And I was that was like there was a permanent shift from that. There was a levity that I just walked away from like okay, there's a type of acceptance I'm I'm feeling now. And then it was just a progression of deepening with my own practice of inquiry and still working with coaches that can reflect to me what I can't see. I think that's one of the most valuable parts of the coaching world is like, cause even, cause even once I see it, I know what to do with it once I see it. And if I really can't see it or it's being justified or something's happening where it's like, I'm just not clear. I'll, I'll lean into that. My friends, you know, coaches, client or coaches, even my clients actually, they'll, they'll reflect a lot. I what they're going through is typically what I'm going through. Exactly. They're up for the same breakthrough. I mm-hmm. often say that's what I learned kind yeah. of on this path. Your, your client's usually up for the same breakthrough that you are in your life. So yep. you get on a call and you're like, oh my God, like, yeah. should I even be here right now? Because like, what, you know, <laughs> what, what do I have to offer you? All like, of a sudden you're just you know? like, <laughs> <laughs> who's coaching who? Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that's a good point too. You know, anyone that's doing transformational work for others needs somebody in my opinion. Absolutely. That's always checking their blind spots totally. along the way. Totally. That's what keeps you from becoming kind of like a guru yeah essentially yep. yeah and just to your question if i really narrow it down it's it's been about my identity yeah. who am i because yeah. at that time i put i put my business aside for a bit i had a big savings and i wasn't the most outgoing person because i was so i mean i was in like a depressive passionate depressive like this yeah. state my digestion started getting messed up my sleep then i got mold i mean it was just this crazy period and Anything that held up my value in the world, a coach, um, a loving partner, uh, amazing lover, like whatever the form of identity that was being challenged because of that, all of them were being challenged at once. Yeah. It was a complete dissolution. Yeah. So it was like, okay, Fuck, I've been training for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm business, everything gone. Yeah. And not only gone, like, but, oh, I'm the opposite of what I was, you know? I'm not a good coach. I'm not embodied. I'm not this. I'm not a good lover. I'm not a good partner. I'm not, like, that's where I went. And it was, like, I I know that I had to go there because I was building on sand. Because, and the sand, it's not like there wasn't integrity. There was to the best that I could. But there was still attachment to those archetypes that I was if I'm this that I'm good if I'm not then I'm no one yeah you're and I think it sounds like you know I first of all I'll just say that I feel like I'm going through that exact process mm-hmm. in the last like year mm-hmm. like everything that I thought I had together and I thought I was and I thought that I stood on 
I, do, I don't, yeah. you know, and like I've gone to the lowest of lows mm-hmm. and just really been tested. Like, oh, you really think you're practiced? You really right. think you're in the, you really think you're like a good partner? You really think, you know, you're a good facilitator? All these kind of things. And everything's been totally mm-hmm. just dragged through the sand, really. But recognizing that it was kind of a house of cards anyway, mm-hmm. right? And what was the foundation? Mm-hmm. It wasn't built on something that was integral mm-hmm. like not my own integrity into question but the actual foundation itself wasn't right. built was built on an illusion right. of what i thought i was or mm-hmm. who i thought i was right yeah and we kind of have to get or at least i in my experience had to get decimated yeah by life yeah just to humble me yeah same right because it was almost too good yeah <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i'm at the point where i'm like we had 200 graduates of our retreats yeah. they're all wearing the pendants the graduate pendants i've had people like be like Oh, I saw someone wearing a pendant at the at this uh, you know gathering, and is that you? And I'm like, well, this is cool, you know. Like, <laughs> and I'm writing the book, yeah. and we have retreats planned for a year, and it's like a couple like a year out, and and right at that moment, like boom, right at the peak, yeah. just decimated. So the good woman will do to you. Yeah, yeah right. Amen. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> so I'm curious, man. I mean, we've talked a little bit about. Bashar, I know this is totally like a, a go, huge baby. turn in the conversation <laughs> because I've only I'm familiar with it, him, them. I don't even know how to identify. <laughs> they identify as a them. They. <laughs> the, they, the ETs, you the know, they, ETs. they prefer they. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> They're woke. Yeah, totally. Surprise. Aliens are the wokest, obviously. That's why they got out of here. Um, but yeah, no, just curious. You said the other night you've watched like every single or, or listened to everything. Yeah, probably like a thousand hours at this yeah, point. From, from like 1982, right? Yeah. What's the influence there? Like, What is it that resonates so deeply with you about that particular work? Man, okay. so Maybe first, give some context of who Bashar yeah. is for anyone listening. Yeah. So Daryl Anka, I mean, what was his first experience? He like, he was interested, I don't remember the exact story, but I know he was on a, like a road trip where he was traveling with some friends in i think mexico part of mexico or like uh, maybe new mexico and a craft came down ufo flying saucer in front of their car and just kind of like stayed there and kind of drove with them and and then started turning and they just started following this craft for like 10 minutes and then it like kind of zoomed up ahead stayed they're getting closer and boom like gone Mm. and they were rocked from that what the heck was that so Daryl starts looking, what, you know, UFOs, da, da, da. The only thing he could find locally was like a, a some sort of channeling class that has to do with UFOs. So maybe I'll find answers there. He goes, they're doing this meditation. He gets into this incredibly deep state that he's never been in. And he starts hearing like someone talking to him from within him. It's like, and he started remembering an agreement he made before this life. Hey, I'm Bashar. Bashar means the messenger. Mm. And um, we made an agreement. Do you still want a channel? And he could see the being in his mind's eye. And he, this is all happening silently. Meanwhile, someone across the room is getting this message to start drawing what Daryl is seeing. It's all silent in the room. So this woman's just sketching. And then the person running the class goes, someone's here for you. Points to Daryl. And then he starts describing what's happening. And then the woman turns the sketch around and see the exact picture of what he's imagining in his mind. 
So you have all this synchronicity happening. And he's like, yes, I'm in. And starts channeling for three or four people here, a little group, you know, in the house. And then it just starts becoming this, this thing. And the information that's come through is, I mean, on so many levels, number one, physics. Mm. I know for a fact, because I've spoken to Nassim Haramin's team, he sends people, Nassim Haramin, on his, like, to get answers and for them to ask Bashar questions about physics based on, like, free energy devices, stuff he's working on, spinning noble gas, whatever he's working on. He'll send people in to ask Bashar questions about physics. No one knows that it's, you know, and then it'll be sent to Nassim and he'll, like, do his physics and stuff. So there's, like, a this... The, the, the physics of reality that give us a different context to what this is that have profound transformational implications just by understanding the context. It's kind of like, you know, the principle transformation happens not when you change the content of your life, but the context. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's where it starts. Like he, the way that he describes this reality being holographic. He's like, look, your reality, it's a projection of consciousness there's an there's infinite versions of reality so i'll just give an example of like a principle that is an an implication of that understanding it's just simple as this and we've heard this all before but it's more literal you don't change the world you're on you change yourself and then you shift to a version of earth that's already representative of the shift you've made within yourself Mm. so just that simple knowing is like so it's like, a, this is just a reflection of the shifts that I'm, the path that I'm on internally yeah. kind of. And that there's a version of earth that we all, that already exists. We could say in the quantum field. Just tap into kind yeah, of. Yeah. That already exists. That when we're in vibrational resonance with it, we have to, by just law of physics, we have to shift to it. So it, it, all of his teachings comes back to radical responsibility. Um, he teaches really in depth how beliefs create our reality for example it's like in a, in the dream realm what we call a dream he calls that that's actually you're waking up in the dream realm. that's more of yourself and there's rules collective rules kind of in the dream realm there's things you can do you can't do but the rules are much more fluid than in this version of the of the dream Clearly, one yeah. primary rule of this reality is that we all collectively believe this one's real that one's not you know yeah. and he talks about like a ch- it's like a chess game we all meet up as souls and we decide the physics gravity the rules and he calls that the collective automatic mind and the thing is young talk carl young talked yeah. about all of uh, the, all the same stuff he just had different names of it yeah. the archetypal mind all of that the collective unconscious so bashar breaks that down in such a precise way that it's like okay we all met together together as souls and it's like we're playing chess. These are the rules. You can't fly. You can't do this. You can't do that. Now, what he talks about is these last few hundred years, we entered a new age, age of the age of transformation. We're at the end of a 12,000 year cycle since Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, the Kali Yugas and this whole galactic cycle that we're in with us and Sirius. And, and he talks about in this age of transformation, not only do you have an incredibly high momentum and degree of availability for personal transformation, but you can also transform that collective level. So you can transform things like what we what we used to think was impossible and what we all agreed to to be virtually impossible is now more possible and probable. And and so that might mean um, you know things like free energy or things like anti-gravity or things that before it was like no we actually need all of these into place 
in place to learn what we need to learn because that's the point of the game is is to we've all chosen a theme and he kind of explains destiny versus free will in this way it's like the theme is going down a hallway you're gonna go down that hallway you're, you're gonna be pulled to something you don't it's not like i'm i i have a choice over what i'm passionate about i just i dis i discover that i'm like oh i feel this way towards that i don't know why i'm just excited about it mm-hmm. but how i express it my art my unique form of that is like okay i'm gonna go down this hallway there's something i'm pulled towards i could resist it and walk down the hallway all sad i could really enjoy it and ride my bike i could do wheelies like that's my free will but that theme i will explore but you're you're going down no matter what you're going down no whether matter you're what. dragging your feet or you're running towards exactly it. that's your destiny yep it's your destiny and so it's also like he uses the mirror analogy i love this Imagine so if if reality's a hologram, the way he defines that is, you know, every part contains the whole. Um, it's a reflection of your most strongly held beliefs, and he names the laws that govern this reality. But he essentially distills it down, like one of the main te- teachings from the holographic understanding is, if you look into a mirror and you're frowning, you don't sit there and go, okay, reflection. I'm gonna wait until you smile and then I'll smile. The mirror will outweigh you infinitely, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like you have to smile first and right. then this can change. Yeah. And then he lays out something called the instruction manual, which is basically the instruction for life. And it's, it's, this is simply what it is. And it's so, it's so funny because it's so simple, but because of that, you can break down every part and study each part for your entire life because mm-hmm. it's so it's implications, it's depth, the questions, the nuance. Like you can just go so deep, and I, that's what I did since twenty one because I was like, this feels so true, and it's so general. I see how it could be misunderstood. So it's this is the formula: follow your highest excitement every moment that you can. Take it as far as you possibly can, whatever that is. If something. Oh, have no expectations of a certain result. No insistence that a certain thing needs to happen. And if if and when anything negative pops up, don't run away from it. Go towards it, integrate it, and then use it to learn and use it in a positive way. And you'll take all of that energy from the negativity that siphons energy and you'll reroute it back into your passion and you'll continue to act on your excitement have no insistence of this of the outcome more of your shadow will emerge right. integrate it and the more that you keep that like whole cycle you, kind of, yeah you start yeah. you start streamlining your energy right and then what happens you activate what he calls there's 11 technically 11 principles that are activated when you do that principle of synchronicity everything starts self-organizing in my favor mm-hmm. versus if i'm in a state of resistance everything's organizing to keep me in resistance bad luck Right. So it's like now synchronicity works for me instead of against me because it has no preference or mind of its own. It's just reflecting. Right. So it's the path of synchronistically attracting to myself everything I need. It's the path of least resistance. It's the path of integration that's going to bring up my shadow so I can become more of a whole person. It's the path of abundance. Um, And there's there's other that I'm forgetting right now. But essentially, it's like he breaks down how the physics of our reality when you follow that formula how that is a complete guide like there's nothing outside of that 
By following that, every question that you really need an answer to will be answered. Every relationship you need will be found. Everything will self-organize in a way that is specific to you and your highest excitement and passion. Wow. Does he speak to, like, given that, you know, what I'm hearing is we're kind of all in agreement to play this game. How are we in agreement with things like the more devastating parts of humanity, mm-hmm. like war and famine yeah. and, and all the kind of like quote unquote evil yeah. or, or darkness that exists. Why are we agreeing to that? Or does he have an explanation for that? So he says as a soul, it's exciting because <laughs> as an eternal soul that can never die yeah. to be able to forget that to such a degree right. is an extremely unique learning experience that could fast forward your evolutionary process as a soul by thousands and thousands of years. So he's like, this earth is for the courageous. It, you think you, if you think you're all kindergartners, right? Earth is like we're you know you are master at the soul level. Yeah. You're you're absolute masters. It takes a master level soul to kind of have the guts to incarnate, to incarnate on earth. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the opposite way you know around. It's like we he says, you think you you're it's like you're masters of limitation. You you're masterful at limiting yourself, but you're actually masters of limitation. Yeah. Like you're here to master the principle of limitation, which is to create a type of expansion at the level of the soul that is like hyper accelerated. So is it is it because you are like kind of have this infinite level of ability, you purposely go into a limited place mm-hmm. to evolve even further? Yeah. Kind of? Yep. Interesting. To wow. evolve even further and for whatever reason, it's also a case-by-case thing, the soul decides that that's the most relevant thing for the overall growth of the soul. Mm. It's just going to choose the earth incarnation. But from the level of the soul, all incarnations are happening simultaneously. It's like, imagine it's like soul incarnations all here at once. We have to filter, you know, consciousness through time and space and we create things like progression. So they might have, you know, 200 incarnations in earth and one here and one wherever and it's a constantly shifting dynamic structure that we our physical mind can't necessarily comprehend right but it's like it's the way of the of the soul learning but it it, it, of course it has to forget that in order to have the contrast to learn the lessons and then he essentially talks about that being the journey from a soul to a spirit like the soul is like clay that hasn't been molded Mm. And then you incarnate, you have all these experiences, you develop personality. And then once you, you know, transition, you're, uh, you have a certain essence and that's like the soul and the soul might retain like the personality and some of the gifts and it like really imprints on that spirit. And you're doing that, you know, over and over and expanding and expanding. And What a trip. Yeah. What do you think? What's like the biggest kind of having gone so deep in that, like, how is it? influencing your everyday life or how has it really shifted the way that you walk through or perceive the world? So, yeah, I'll give an example. It's like with COVID. Mm -hmm. It was like, I knew because this has been so ingrained in my belief system. I knew that on some level we all agreed to have this experience and that the number one thing that I can do to contribute to a solution is to face everywhere that I'm in resistance or triggered or afraid because I knew there was a version of earth that contained the transformation that I'm seeking. Right. So it was like my first reaction to anything is where is this in me? What kind of resolution do I need? What, what is this reflecting to me that I haven't seen before? And now how can I respond to this from that place, which is the proof that I've changed? Not that the reality has changed, but I've made a new 
response to the same reality. And I measure that as my form of success or change. So it's like, I don't really, it's like I've cultivated, like, I don't really care about what happens. And Mm -hmm. that's not always true because sometimes something happens and it evokes an unconscious care or worry. And I'm like, Oh, I really do care. I gotta, I gotta be really honest with that now and figure that out. But it, it, it's at least this baseline of like, I, my safety, my power has nothing to do with the outside it's not world. Contingent on yeah. what's happening around. No, my you. freedom, yeah. my ability to act on my excitement. It's like you can put me in a fucking camp, you know, like a, what are they called? Like concentration camp. Yeah. And if I have the ability, which I always will, to act on my highest excitement, moment by moment, no matter what it is, with my options available. I will be led by the path of least resistance. Crazy synchronicity will happen and it will support me in continuing on that path because it's just physics. This is literally energy. I have to be in resonance with it to have this experience. So if I change my response to that circumstance, the circumstance has to change. It's just physics. So there's a freedom in knowing that, but it all is, it all comes back to me. So it's, it's incredibly empowering, but it can also be, confronting yeah it really puts the responsibility for your life on you Mm -hmm. which a lot of people have a really big challenge with yeah and And it kind of loops back to what we were saying think of frank victor frankel yeah a man's search for meaning he's in a at a, a concentration camp he's decided you know what they can't take away my ability to choose my thinking you know basically to respond which is what i'm talking about what happened he survived He didn't only survive, he went on to thrive. Mm -hmm. Why did that happen? Not because he's lucky. Not because the guards just one day were like, well, let's just let Frankel off the hook. It's because of his state of being and who he was being in that scenario. He wasn't compatible to the version of reality where he would have died. It's so powerful. But even that statement, I could could see landing as so confronting for so many people. But you think about, he's not the only character like that. You think about people that have been unjustly imprisoned Mm -hmm. right and mandela and like all these you know gandhi or something like that these people that have been able to hold their sovereignty Mm -hmm. regardless of what's being the oppression that they're facing Mm -hmm. and what they're able to create out of that reality and the the reality that they can they literally shift the world not consciously but the world kind of shifts for them yeah you know what i mean rather than them having to acquiesce to, to the way that the world is and then you have to ask then was it a negative event yeah. You know, if Absolutely. he was, if yeah. he was actually, you know, maybe from the soul level, that was the actual most positive outcome that could have been created. Certainly a challenging event, but that we get back to that context conversation, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, can we remove the right and wrong kind of right. from every, any, any situation or any belief? And then what does that give us access to? Because right. that's a lot of power when you move that, right? When you move the perpetrator victim mm-hmm. role and everything, mm-hmm. which certainly let's not step over that there's true, like, People are victimized yeah. in the world. Like, yeah. There's no doubt about that, right? But A lot of people just don't realize the perpetrators are victims as well. A- absolutely. And then, and then how we hold what's happened to us, you know, kind of circling back to what you were saying before, just like with the woman with IBS and the woman that had the sexual assault from mm-hmm. her stepfather, how we hold that is really all that matters at the end of the day because mm-hmm. events are going to transpire right. anyway in reality, yep. right? Yep. Uh, so powerful. Cool, man. Well, this has been really, really deep. Uh, anything else that you kind of want to touch on or share before we wind down? Mm. Uh, nothing's coming right now. Nothing's coming for it. Cool, man. Well, you know, thank you. It's been really, uh, it's been really an honor, man, just getting to know you. And one thing that I really <clears throat> notice about you, when I get around you, I feel like 
I feel like you're li- really living your work because mm. I feel a little more free when mm. I'm around you. You know, and I think a lot of what we talked today can f- sound pretty heady or, or like kind of hard to grasp for mm. people that are new to this kind of language. But for me, what I see and feel through all of it, it, it all comes down to our way of being, yeah. right? And, and yeah. how we be in the world mm-hmm. uh, is really how we bring the world into resonance with us. Mm. Um, and and holding that is just such a powerful place to live from. So I just want to honor you for the work that you do and mm. the transformation that you lead other people through and, and what you make available, the beingness that they, you make available for them because that's that's real warrior's work and, and this kind of stuff is not easy that level of self-inquiry and seeing how you can take responsibility mm-hmm. for even the things that and the ways that people have hurt you or hurt you mm-hmm. you know what i mean um is that's it takes a lot of balls and a lot of guts to do that kind of stuff so thanks brother yeah man i really appreciate that so where can people connect with you or find you you know if they want to find a board most you? of my stuff's on instagram just mm-hmm. brandon.bozarth mm-hmm. and then uh my site brandonbozarth.com I have a free group called Living in Truth. Every Saturday we do a live Q&A or training. And um, yeah, my offerings are on my website. Amazing. Cool, brother. I'm glad we got to do this. Likewise, bro. All right. I love you, man. Love you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Undomesticate podcast with Brandon Bozarth. I strongly encourage you to check out his work if you're ready to use the power of inquiry to challenge your beliefs and step into an entirely new way of being. If you did love this episode and want more great content like this, make sure you check out our other episodes as well as subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, or if you're really nice, on both platforms. Thanks again for listening to the Undomesticate podcast, and we will catch you next time.